Welcome to Nine Bob Notes with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody. This is Nine Bob Note, and I'm Paul Isles Rush. And I'm Ken Moss, broadcasting live from Podcasting House. Woo! Woo, yeah. It's your turn this week, Paul. What have you got for us this time? Gender bending. Is that not offensive? <laughs> yes, that's why I said it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, we're, uh, not, we're, we're talking about characters in books or TV and films where they switch the gender of either the person playing them or they, where they switch the gender of the character. Do we think this is a good thing? Does it matter? Does it bring anything? Are we just changing it for the sake of it? So some examples, I'll lay on the table and then see what you think. So mm-hmm. of course, we will at some point be uh, discussing Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, but also um, one that you, you mentioned earlier was uh, Lucy Liu mm-hmm. playing elementary. Dr. Watson in Elementary. Yeah. And other things that will crop up <laughs> as we go along. <laughs> So have you got any strong thoughts or feelings on this, Ken? Yes and no. (laughs) Um, I think my major beef with a lot of it is doing it just for the sake of it, just because it's really pushing the envelope, Mm. it's really radical and different, rather than, this is interesting in a narrative way, so things like Elementary, I must, I've never seen a one. Now, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan, but it's just, it's not that I've, I've purposely avoided it. It's not that. But everybody that's seen Elementary that's reported back has said, it's brilliant. It, it really, mm, it, it works. So in itself, I'm not entirely opposed to it. I think where it's done deliberately for shock value or to tick a PC box, and you can usually tell mm. that is where... Not only my beef comes with it, but a lot of other people as well. Doctor Who is the one. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't done to enhance the narrative structure. It was done to prove a point. And unfortunately, Jodie Whittaker has been just the woman doctor. It's not been, oh, she was brilliant. Yes, yeah, she has proven mm. that it can be done just as well. Because unfortunately, she was helmed by a terrible <laughs> producer scriptwriter who didn't actually do anything with this female character. So although the precedent has been set within Doctor Who for for a character to gender swap, you don't fuck it up with the title character. (laughs) That's just not the done thing. Whereas other things, and this has cropped up for me this week, because I've seen a book advertised online uh, called Gender Swapped Fairy Tales by... (laughs) Catchy. It is by Carrie Fransman and Jonathan Plackett. And... There was the usual outcry, but that, on the other hand, that strikes me as they've been quite open about, you know, we've swapped the gender in these fairy t- in these traditional fairy tales, just to see. Yeah. not It's not been done to prove a point. It's right there in the title of the book, Gender Swapped Fairy Tales. If you don't want that, don't read this book. It's not trying to rewrite the, the fairy tales. It's just seeing what the dynamic's like if you change the genders of the characters. Hmm. So in that respect... Uh, they've not just decided that it's the the witch of Oz or something. It's uh, just because you know it should be a female character. They've they've swapped all the genders of all the characters. Yeah, and and that in itself, I've not read it, but it sounds like an interesting experiment, an interesting change of dynamic. Whereas something like Doctor Who is definitely a, a tick box exercise. 
which I don't particularly care for. There's been a lot of people go on and on about should be a female James Bond. They really shouldn't. The, pro- the producers have already come out and said explicitly there will not be a female James Bond. No. But it's like a lot of other characters. If you're going to change the... If you, you know, it comes down to anything about an established character, if you're going to change the gender, the race, the sex, the the orientation of that character, why are you doing that? Why can you not just create an entirely new character in a similar vein in their own right if you're going to do that? That would be, to me, rather than trying to hijack a franchise where you're going to piss people off, why not create an entirely new character that is better Hmm. than a hybrid that's going to piss off half the audience before they've even appeared. Yeah, I agree, especially with the book about the fairy tales. I get why they've done it because in the fairy tales, they're all, you know, fairly traditional. And so you have a princess or some downtrodden woman in distress and along comes a heroic man and saves it. And although there's nothing wrong with that, there aren't very many stories that you can read to girls where the girl is the one who, yes. who who says it. So so swapping them around, you know, what if Cinderella was a mm. boy and, you know, he, he fell in love with this beautiful princess. I think, you know, why can't it be like that? And so, yeah, you're, you're right. They, they're doing it to make us think about what it would be like the other way around. I, I just think it's a far more interesting experiment. Mm. Yeah. Rather than just, we're doing this, we, we've changed the, the sex or the colour of this established character. Yeah. Just because we can and we're, we're making a point and this character's now gay and we, well, it's never been said that they're not explicitly gay. <laughs> no, you've just pissed off all the people that have been a fan of that character for years. Yeah. Whereas the fairy tales book, I would really like to read because I just it just sounds very very interesting. Yeah, I kind of get it with Doctor Who, although they've royally <laughs> bollocks it up with this. Film. <laughs> they, they, the Doctor is an alien, and yes, sometimes they, the Time Lords regenerate into the opposite gender. We, we've only just found out in the last couple of years that that has ever happened. But, you know, it's something they can do. They, they've really messed it up the way that they did it. And the thing that's annoyed most people is the fact that it wasn't gender-blind casting. They didn't say, we want people to come in and audition for the Doctor and whoever's the best is going to get the job. He came in and said, I'm going to cast a woman for the Doctor and literally opened his eyes and the first woman he saw gave him the job. (laughs) But the James Bond thing, if James Bond was a woman, then that would change everything about the whole thing. So like you say, it would be a completely new character. They couldn't even call the character James Bond. No. Because James is never, ever a girl's name. Well, that's just transphobic. (laughs) Yeah, apologies. Apologies to any uh, female James in the the audience. (laughs) But I can see a time where uh, we're veering sort of into a politically correct discussion here, but I can see a time where James Bond, actually the wheels come off that to the point where they just can't make the films anymore Mm. because they're sterilizing James Bond. Everything that he's ever been is sort of being whittled away. He's always been heavy drinking, heavy smoking, womanizing spy that is sort of James Bond. It's being cleaned up to the point. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've loved the Daniel Craig films. I think they're four of the best films in the entire run. But you can see the sterilisation taking place where we can't have him doing that anymore. We can't have him doing that anymore. But that is the character as written. 
Uh, I'm not saying it needs to be, you know, quite as uh, as it was before, but he can't suddenly become very clean living. He can't suddenly lose all interest in women and, and not view them as not sex objects, but not have this appetite for women anymore. That is his character. And you can, I can see a point where it does become so sterilised that it's not James Bond anymore. Yeah, there's elements where it does need cleaning up because some of the stuff in the in the early James Bonds, you know, things where he's violent towards women and, and, and you know, he's a bit rapey at times. <laughs> uh, but... And so you can't you can't put out a film where he's doing things like that. But like you say, if James Bond ever turned around and you know a, a woman walked into a you know into the casino where he was and he and and someone said said something to him and he's like, oh, I don't see women like that. I'm only interested in their minds. So you know, something like, it's just it would just be so so stupid. So there there you do have to keep the the element because that was that was the whole point of yeah. him although on that point there was one line in Spyfall where he's been interrogated by Javier Bardem's character whose name I can't remember um, but Skyfall Sorry, no, I'm getting mixed up with the Doctor Who episode. So that was Spyfall because <laughs> yeah, they couldn't even think of an original fucking title. <laughs> yeah. No, in Skyfall he was being he was tired of being interviewed and um well interviewed at gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. It was put to him, you know, well, you know, you sleep with plenty of women. Um, you know, what happens when you have to get information out of a man do you sleep with? And he just turns around, one line, and says, who says I haven't? <laughs> and that was oh, it. I bet the gays went mad. For well, that. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what the, my pre-Twitter days, that, mm. that was a long time ago now. Now it would explode. Yeah. Um, but it was just dropped in there as I thought, actually, that's a good point. Yes. Has he? Uh, he's a spy. He's sort of basically a functionary. So... That's sort of his job. And it, and it was just that one line, move on. Mm. It wasn't dwelt on. It wasn't uh, an issue. It wasn't pushed. And that's the sort of envelope pushing that I like. Yeah. We are, we are going a long way off topic. But, <laughs> uh, but in, it's just this, this insistence that, uh, by a lot of... And the BBC, unfortunately, are very, very guilty of this nowadays. So I've been a staunch supporter of the BBC. I continue to be. But they are... You weren't one of the ones who raided Television Centre. <laughs> Do you know what? We we raided Television Centre the other week, and then I found out they'd moved out eight years ago. Nobody told us. So, yes, defund the BBC, or defined the BBC. <laughs> yeah, a lot of their programming now is so box-ticky. You just look at it and think, well, it's virtue signalling so hard, it's just a massive, massive turn-off. To me, and I think quite a lot of other people, because it's neither one thing or the other. It's not targeted at a, um, a particular demographic. It's just scattergunned everywhere to try and please everyone. And it doesn't work like that. Yeah. With the BBC, it's really noticeable. I, I, um, I, I think I've said before, Stuart describes me as a beacon of tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I am all for representation, and as you know, especially for LGBT people, but obviously in terms of people of colour and people with disabilities, mm. more women, uh, and getting getting people on the on the TV and in films. But when it's blatant, yeah. I, there was a thing, again, <laughs> tangent, tangent alert. <laughs> Off down the rabbit hole, here <laughs> yeah. we go. Uh, in a, a few weeks' time, Channel 4 is having a black day. I can't remember what it's called. Possibly Back to Black or something, something ridiculous. Black like. to the Future. It, it could be Black to the Future. I've just made that up, really. 
But yeah, and they're having a day where everyone on all of their outputs is going to be black. And, you know, like the, the people who present the news, the producers of the news, they're bringing back the big breakfast TV program with black hosts just for the day. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and, and I saw a comment on Twitter about it from, from a black person who was like, I don't see this as Progress. yay for re- representation. What it just makes me think is, why didn't you give these people a job in the first place uh, on th- the other 364 days of the year? So, yeah, it, it can backfire in your face. And I think that is the BBC and a lot of things is in danger of that happening because a lot of the time you can, you'll see stuff coming out and, you know, <laughs> you know what's going to, mm. what's going to happen uh, and you know who's going to be, you know, they announce that they're going to make, I don't know, a new Agatha Christie and you know that the cast is going to be one of this, one of that, one yeah. of that, one of that. And it, that's fine if they're the best people for the job. Great. But don't just do it because you think that's what people want to see. The trouble with stuff like Agatha Christie is they're set in the, you know, basically 20s and mm. 30s. Society wasn't very diverse in the 20s and yeah. 30s in England. There's no getting around it. So crowbarring in a black one and a Chinese one and a gay one stands out half a mile. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that if you set a drama in Hong Kong and all the cast were English and black <laughs> or, and white with a British accent, might be a touch unrealistic yeah. and draw the viewer out of it. Uh, and so it, it does work both ways. This is not mm. just a, an anti-diversity thing. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. an appropriate thing. You never see now on telly, and certainly on the BBC, you never see a white couple with white children. They're always a mixed couple with mixed race children. Unless it's some completely depressing thing where everybody hates each other and, yeah. and the, the marriage is falling apart, then there'll be a white couple. Yeah. But any any sitcom, any drama, anything like that, it will always be tick, tick, tick. The vast, vast majority of couples in England are not one of it. It's, it I mean, they're out there and there's nothing mm. wrong with it. Of course there's nothing wrong with it. But please don't, the BBC are pushing this as this is the norm, this is the best way of getting people to integrate and show how how progressive we are by um, by doing this, or, or we'll, we've got a long way off of gender casting. <laughs> but it, it's all tied in with this, sort of the, the gender bent. I would never dare to use I would never dare to use that term now. It's the fact that it's done in such a blatant way. It's mm. actually, my personal feeling is, it's actually pushing people against diversity by pushing it so hard for diversity rather than just having a natural osmosis of it into dramas and things or you know adverts is another one adverts are all multiracial now in fact if anything the the say for school adverts and things the white kids are suppressed in the background it pushes people against diversity if it's rammed in the face that actually uh this is the way it should be done this is how you should be thinking and it's it's this whether that's the intention or not, that's how it's coming across to a lot of the audience. But by pushing an agenda that hard, you turn people against it in the end. Yeah, we should be representing different kinds of families in, you know, in the soaps and in dramas and uh, things like that. We should have an equal number of male and female mm presenters course, on, the, on yeah. the news uh, you know yeah. and on daytime tv i think it would be very weird if we didn't now mm. i think that if you had two male presenters i think it would stand out half a mile as odd now. yeah yeah 
But but then, like you say, you've, you've got to be careful that the public are, or the majority of the public aren't stupid. Mm. And if we think that the, there's a reason for doing the things, like with going back to the story, the storybook, yeah. that seems like a really good idea. And Just to me as well. It yeah. sounds really mm. interesting. Making James Bond a woman, there's no reason for that other than to appease but in fact, it wouldn't appease anyone because I don't think any women would <laughs> appreciate it either. Because what would a female James Bond be? So you, you've got we we can see what the purpose is behind making these changes, and if we don't agree with the purpose, if it's not representation, if it's box ticking, then it makes us uncomfortable. But it also makes you know, for example, a black day on Channel Four. I can't see any black what? people feeling comfortable with that. Well, I can't see billions of white people tuning in either, thinking, why have I never thought these thoughts before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of black people on on the TV at the moment. I'm not saying that there couldn't be more. And again, we're not talking about gender anymore. But this isn't going to highlight, oh no, this is the first time we've ever seen black people on mm. Channel 4. It's just going to make people think, well... They did all the, in, in the 80s, in the late 80s, they had Deaf 2 on BBC Two. Mm, Do you remember? Yeah. That? It was sort of the black segment. And I can't remember whether it was every night or a couple of nights a week, mm. but it was a, it was a very definitely black segment yeah. on BBC Two. Um, you know, people like Lenny Henry, Craig Charles, they were sort of the, the champions of, of this particular segment mm. and a lot of other people whose names I've forgotten. But that was in the, it's not like this is anything new. Mm. Have we not got over pushing an agenda yet? Yeah. Uh, and I still believe, and I'll say this over and over again, on any topic, it doesn't matter what it is, 90% of people do not give a shit. Yeah. 5% of people staunchly in favour of it will go on marches and demonstrate, and 5% and, and of people are really, really against it and will never, ever change their mind. The only thing that can come from the 5% pushing the agenda over and over and over and over <laughs> is that eventually some of the 90% who didn't give a shit will start turning against it. Yeah. And that is the, that's where I think that we're going with a lot of this. I don't remember the country being as riven with, it's too strong to say sort of racial tension, but there's more of a sensitivity about it now. And this is nothing to do with Brexit. I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of this is, has been stirred up long before the referendum in an increasing way because of this push you should accept this. You should accept that. It's nothing. It's not a specific. It's not on a specific topic. It's just across the board. But the more you push a particular thing, and I think this is particularly, it's going to come to a head with Doctor Who. That, that's where we're going. But the more you push a particular thing, as you know, this is what you should be accepting. The more people will actually start turning against it, rather than just letting it gradually by osmosis come into being. Yeah, I suppose a sort of slightly irrelevant example of it is an international women's day which mm. we have every year and it, it stops being international women's day and starts becoming well when's international men's day uh, which is i think the 9th of november it, is actually, <laughs> yeah. it does exist we've <laughs> yeah. just never bothered about it before yeah and it just brings the cranks out so this uh, you know make, making james bond a woman for example all it would do is make all the piers morgans of the world say oh well why can't Why can't Miss Marple? Miss Marple, thank you, be, be a man. And the the answer for that is, well, she probably could be, 
would you watch it? No. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just silly. So I, I think we are generally in, in agreement that gender swapping the characters, we, if we go back to elementary, they changed the gender of Dr. Watson. And yes, it was kind of a stunt, mm. but they also changed a few things. So, so it was set in New York, not London. It was set in the modern day, not Victorian yeah, yeah. times. So Dr. Watson was a woman just because that was how they changed that particular element yeah, of the story. Yeah. And it worked. They didn't do... Victorian uh, uh, yeah. Sherlock Holmes yeah. with... Where, mm. where they probably wouldn't have been a woman doctor. <laughs> um, Elizabeth anyway. Garrett Anderson, 1899. Yeah. She was the first one. Oh, okay. So it worked in that way. And they didn't go down the predictable way of, oh, because she's a woman... And she's with, you know, she says there's obviously going to be romance between them. Uh, and it, it, it worked really well, but that's because they changed it and they, they changed other elements as well. And it wasn't just, oh, let's let's just make her a woman just to mm. piss people off. <laughs> but So you, you, we, we have to, you, you have to be careful why you're doing it. And in the case of Doctor Who, they weren't careful why they did it. They just did it to piss people off. And they did. And succeeded <laughs> admirably. <Yeah>. Well <laughs> fucking done. <laughs> so on that note, it's time for Screening Queens. Well, Paul, you brought <laughs> it up. I think that um, since I've not watched it, Elementary would be a good place to start. Yeah. Because you have seen... How many... Uh, there were there a few series of that, hasn't I think there? there were five or six series, yeah. Mm. It's uh, American, so that means about 300 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I purposely... Because I'm a big, big Sherlock Holmes purist, so I don't even like the Basil Rathbone stuff, which was all set during the war. Mm. They relocated Sherlock Holmes to the, the Second World War. I put off watching Sherlock for yeah. years because I thought I would hate it, and I was wrong. Uh, Simon Exton hates it. <laughs> I love it because it's witty. Mm. Uh, the stories are sort of stripped down, dumbed down versions yeah. of the original versions. Uh, and they, they've all got sort of similar names. So studying Scarlet is studying Pink for the new. Yeah. Uh, and the, um, there's the adventure of the five pips which were orange pips in the original story with telephone pips in the new version. So it's all quite, it's, it's a wittily adapted version. Mm. But it, with that, if you divorce it from the original stories and look at it as something brand new, it's much more enjoyable. Mm. Um, the problem where that falls down is the horrible Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> bastardizations, which don't watch those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really like elementary and, Obviously, because there's so many, they obviously come up with their own stories, but it keeps the the main elements of the character and his problem solving and things like that. And the fact that Dr. Watson is the one who does most of the, most of the work. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, Johnny Lee Miller, who plays Sherlock Holmes in Elementary, is going to play John Major in the new series of The Crown. Oh, is that who it is? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know the name and I sort of know the face. And everybody's been looking at him. Well, I can't see him as that. I actually, you can you can see the facial structure once they put the glasses on mm. and put the grey makeup on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see that, but yes. Uh, so, Paul, it's uh, time to decide feather or not. Gender bending <laughs> is an important topic. I think it's quite important uh, because 
as you say, it can it can either wind people up and and it can go badly wrong. But sometimes, if it's done right and for the right reasons, it can really work. And out of five, how many bowlers? I'll I'll go middle of the road and say three. I'm going to ramp mine up to four. Um, there's a personal reason. It is Doctor Who that's, that's <laughs> um, that sticks in my craw on this. There are instances. The fairy tale book really genuinely interests me. Mm. This is this is. I just think that's a a very obvious idea that could be quite interesting to to run with and, and have a look at and see how it changes the dynamic. With Doctor Who, it was done just because they could do it. Yes. To prove a point, women are just as good as men. And in doing it, they fucked up an entire franchise. They've riven (laughs) fandom down the middle. However they dressed it up, the viewing figures have been wrecked by this. The merchandise has been wrecked. It was the biggest franchise on the planet eight years ago. And now it's nothing commercially. So uh, that is an example where fiddling with a winning formula is not a good idea. Mm. Doing it because you can, no. Doing it for an interesting narrative reason, yes. yes. So yes, uh, it, it's more the fear of screwing something up that works. Excellent. And uh, we we will be discussing, no doubt, the announcement of whoever the new Doctor Who is <laughs> in the next. In the it's bound to come out in the next few weeks. So we'll. Uh, We'll cover we'll cover that then, whoever she may be. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, before Ken throws something at me, we'll uh, we'll sign off for another week. I will see you again next week on Nine Bob Note. Goodbye, bye everyone. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman. And the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.